The Ultimate Action Figures are here! UFC Ultimate Fighting Championship. UFC.com. As real as it gets. Available now. Action figures, playsets, belts. Jack Specific and UFC. More info. www.mmafigs.com www.jacks.com Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast. Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. I am Rick. And I'm Zach. It's called Random Bander by Odeon. It's illegal in nine countries. Yep, it's made with bits of real random banter. So you know it's good. Random banter time, guys. Tell me a tale of your lives. Okay, um... First of all, I apologize, Zach. This is another one of these weird bits that we started off early where I just put in random banter, and he decided that he was going to do random things like that. Sure. And I now have to figure out what that's from, and I have no clue. It sounds a little familiar. It burns the nostrils. That smells like raw gasoline. Is that from uh, Fury Road? That's not from Fury Road. No? I'm Ron Burgundy, and oh, you're not. <laughs> Anchor man. Okay. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and why might I have uh, picked that little one to go with this episode? Anchor man? This episode? Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. Fred Hembick. We're going to talk about Fred Hembick, right? That's what it is? <laughs> you could say that that's the answer I was going to go off of. It's made out of real bits of random banter. And this one is uh, going to be filled with little bits here and there, made up of like four different things. So that's what this episode's going to be. And so is random banter. Okay, this is just a total thing that has gotten way out of control, and I don't even know where it's at anymore. You're right. We are doing, like, four different things, and we're adding in that somebody else. We're adding in a special guest, and this special guest is Zach from Battle of the Atom. Zach, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, guys. How are you doing? We are doing wonderful now that we've got you here. That's wonderful. I'm glad to be here. It's going to be really exciting. We're going to talk about the Power Pack. They're small. They're strong. They do fun things. There's a babysitting adventure. There's going to be a lot of fun. As far as your experience with Power Pack, that would be a grand total of? Every issue that they tied in with either X-Men or Simonson's Thor. (laughs) I've read read everything around them. Like, oh, this is neat. This seems cool. And then, like, stuff where, you know, they've not been together, but have been separately in different things over the last few years. I I know the Power Pack exists. I know they are a concept that a lot of people really like, but they were slightly before my time reading comics. So I just never got deeply involved with them or invested as them as characters. But I'm very excited to learn more because... You know, they, they share they share a common ancestor to a lot of the X-Men stuff that I love, being Louise Simonson. Yes, you are exactly correct. And that's kind of where our love kind of came for it to begin with, is I loved Louise Simonson's writings, all of it. And I, it wasn't until I was much older that I realized, oh, all the stuff I love is all written by her. That's mm-hmm. why I like it all. We are recognized, too, that it is a very niche of a niche that people either like it or don't like it. But yep. I have been wanting to get you on because there is this connection between X-Men and Power Pack. And your entire show is nothing but looking at these lovely connections between 
X-Men and these other things. And you build entire episodes around that kind of concept. So tell other people who might not listen to your show exactly what you do. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. That's a great idea. I should pitch right, right here up front. Uh, I'm Zach. I am the co-host of a podcast called Battle of the Atom. Uh, it is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every X-Men story. We go from best to worst. We have done 372 individual X-Men stories. Uh, there's a lot... It's a lot of fun if you like X-Men stuff. It's great. Uh, one of the stories with the power pack in them is very high up on the list. That's uh, X-Men... I forget the actual 205. issue number. 205. 205. Yeah. Okay, you got this. You know what's oh, going yeah. on there. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, it's 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 the one where, uh, where Wolverine and Katie Power have to fight some robots. It's very mm -hmm. good. Very good. That Barry Windsor Smith art... Chef's kiss, just beautiful. Yeah, it's uh, it only doesn't rank that high on our list just because, as far as a power pack story goes, it's not the greatest. Although we no, love she's just Katie a little though. girl. She <laughs> she could be anyone in that story, yes. and that's that's more of a story for Barry Windsor Smith to say. Man, I would love to draw Wolverine slicing up some robots with a little girl to save him at the end. Yes, <laughs> very good. Do like very that. Good. Yes, it is an amazing story. That one we do absolutely love that one. We, we have uh, taken from your show as well as a few others where we've done our own ranking list. And oh, that's I not from us. I just want to be very clear. Oh. We we wholesale stole that from War Rocket Ajax, and they wholesale stole it from somebody else. So this is this is bits on bits on bits just really recycling down. Uh-huh. It's a legacy theft. <laughs> I like that. I like that. That's good. Trademark that. I, I like the concept, and I and I like how your show does that. I have actually gone to your show to see where th certain things are ranked. It's like, I want to read that. You know, that has ranked really high. That's an X-Men I have missed. I'm going to go look that one up. Or, oh, come on. The Draco can't be that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it no, is. it actually is. Yeah, it That's is. the thing. And mm -hmm. I, I'm sure it's the same way on your guys' show. The fun thing about ranking is not, here's the dirty secret. It's not actually a deep, objective list of like the truths it's just a fun little concept to throw all this stuff on there and see what happens and force you to talk about them pretty much that's all pretty it much. is yep. yep it's all it a really trick is. it's all an illusion people and 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 it's what we believe the ranking should be right 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 <laughs> i mean we don't we, we're like we just we're surprised ourselves sometimes we've ranked some books we're like i didn't expect this book to be ranked this high this is now our number one book this is really good. And then it's like, oh, I had fond memories of this as a child. This is at the bottom of the list because it's not that good. Oh, so those yeah. are the saddest ones. Those are the yes. saddest yeah. ones when you have to come back and realize that you had bad taste. Or you can see what you really liked about it. You but can. You can. And you, you know, you tack 30 years of age on and you kind of go, oh, but... I understand how I liked that, but I also now can see how rough or unpolished or what I would have done or how it could have been improved or better. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, yeah. With that said, let's go ahead and try to dive into this and let's try to give Zach here just a little bit more about Power Pack. So you said you don't know much, but tell us what you do know about Power Pack. There's four kids, a horse alien showed up and said, you guys should have superpowers. And then they did, and their best friend is Franklin Richards, and now they're old now. That would be about right. But let's go ahead and find a little more context. Maybe we can use some advertisements that Marvel decided to give us through their infinite wisdom of the 80s and 90s. And before you all groan, no, forget, go ahead and groan. It's all right. So no, no, no. I like where this is going. <laughs> this is exactly my stuff. Keep it on. 
<laughs> Let's go ahead and take a look at something that they had back then. And this is kind of a primer on who this foursome is. We're going to look at some Marvel Age annuals because nothing is great as Marvel Age annuals. <laughs> can I can I tell you a dirty little secret? Uh-huh. I have read every issue of Marvel Age. <laughs> I got I got into I got into a bit a little while ago and I I found I sourced copies of all of Marvel Age and decided that when I was bored, I'd flip through them and read articles and stuff and see what I wanted. Because it was it was an ad magazine uh -huh. because the internet didn't exist. Yeah, uh, it, go on, go on. <laughs> it's I'm not going to call it a good use of my time. It was deeply interesting. Back in the day when I was collecting comics, I actually was getting... Marvel Age. I was buying these as they came out. You had to have it. Had uh -huh. to have it. You had to have it. I was a little kid. I didn't, like you said, I didn't have the internet. I needed to know what was going on with my favorite little comics. And that's what we had. We had these lovely Marvel Age books. And of course, like they did back in the 80s and 90s, every year they came out with annuals for all the main series. Marvel Age was no exception. They came out with four different annuals. Marvel Age itself ran from 83 until 94. And during that time, there was four Marvel Age annuals that came out during that time. Power Pack had little advertisements in three of them. And so I decided to pull those out and to talk about them. I actually have two of them here. I got the third one on order. But if you really, really want to reread these, you, can, you have another option available too. And that is <laughs> the Power Pack omnibus <laughs> that's, that's a thick book right there that is a thick book this thing weighs in a good mm, five pounds i believe it is you can you can actually build up your muscles lifting that thing up but not only do they have power pack 1 through 36 but they also have x-men 195 and 205 thor 363 x-factor annual 2 bunch of other stuff including all three of those advertisements that are in those marvel age annuals <laughs> That is a thick old book. Let's talk about what we've got here, because we're going to talk about all three of these. But before we do that, I need to make sure that Jeff and I have a beer, because I see you have a beer, and I want to ask you about that in a second. Oh, I'll talk about this. <laughs> that looks quite tasty. But Jeff, first off, can you please open up that nice little brown bag that I dropped on your doorstep without flame, and tell me what you got there? All right. Well, I have a bag that says Episode 59, The Job, and inside of it... Ooh, that's sparkly. It's dynamite with a laser beam. <laughs> Coffee IPA. Wow, and that is just looks like uh, some kid's glitter project for a can. That is just orange and peach and yellow and silver sparkles covering the entire thing. This is beautiful. Now, what, what brewery is that? This is... Flatland Brewing Company, and this is an IPA, New England IPA, 6.5% ABV with 35 IBU. Now, the label matches the concept of this beer, a crazy idea with a bunch of unusual ingredients combined to make a fun and exciting beer. We use buckets, okay, get ready for this, guys, buckets of delicious fruity cereal in the mash before getting a heavy dose of coffee. This coffee is unlike anything you've ever tasted, with expressive notes of a huge bowl of fruity pebbles and the intensely favored milk it creates. A heavy dry hop of Citra and El Dorado play with the bright fruit notes to make it all come together. Dynamite with a laser beam. This is going to be something interesting. 
<laughs> I am looking forward to this. This is just crazy pants all the way through. It just I can't stop looking at the can. It's just so pretty. It's like if I saw somebody drinking from this, I'd be like, oh, they're having some sort of, I don't know, uh, fruit essence spritzer kind of thing and not a coffee IPA. This is just gorgeous. I love story time on it, too. Government warning, blah, blah, blah. You know the story. <laughs> so, Jeff or Zach, why would I choose a beer called Dynamite with a Laser Beam? Because you like the song Killer Queen by the band Queen. Not an incorrect statement. Power Pack probably likes the, the song as well. But also, because Boom Goes the Dynamite, uh, there's laser beams in this, uh, this thing. There are laser beams in this, but I was I was actually thinking of one person who actually doesn't use his laser beam. <laughs> but I was actually kind of making a very interesting pun with dynamite with a laser beam. I could say, hey! I could say dynamite is Jean Grey, and I could say uh -huh. laser beam is Cyclops. <laughs> yeah, he, as we all know, he has uh, his eyes are actually portals to the elemental plane of lasers. <laughs> Look, I, and he shoots laser I, am, I am I'm an X-Men podcaster and I cannot abide by this. <laughs> no, uh, no, no, no. It's, it's well known. I will, I will lose all of my podcast cred if I let people <laughs> assume that they are lasers when they are not lasers. But hey, I, welcome I to Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. <laughs> I digress You lose here. all cred. No, you are correct. I am a Cyclops apologist, so I am completely <laughs> on board with that. But I could not pass up the opportunity to introduce something where we've got Cyclops. This is, I think, the last time I see Cyclops with Power Pack. And I was like, oh, mm -hmm. something with laser beams, I can make the joke. And so I went with it. <laughs> As we start to sniff and smell our own beer, what did you bring to the table, sir? So what I brought to the table today was whatever I could find in the back of my liquor cabinet. <laughs> so I can tell you that this beer was bottled in 2012, but we're okay because it has an unlimited shelf life and gets better with age, much right. like the power pack here. Uh, this is Bell's Expedition Stout. It is a Russian Imperial Stout, 10.5 uh, ABV. It is a deep, heavy, malty beer thick as motor oil, and just absolutely delicious. That is up our alley. The darker, the darker, the heavier, that is what we like. We are not IPA guys, but I keep bringing the IPAs because they've got the most interesting <laughs> names. <laughs> yep, they have the interesting labels, and that we're trying to tie stuff into the story. They do. That's what it is. This is, I'll tell you, this is one of my favorite beers. I went to the uh, Bell's Brewery up in Comstock, Michigan for my bachelor party. Uh, so I've got a lot of deep connections to this place. Mm -hmm. They just make some good beer. I like it. I need to try that at some point in time if I ever get up in that area. Mm. Now, we've got here, I explained what this is. And this has got the hazy bubbliness of an IPA. It's um, kind of got the golden color that you can't see through. Yeah, it is it's super hazy that is crazy haze it almost looks like uh, kind of like a a milked grapefruit juice the smell i'm getting the fruit notes off the smell super citrusy mm -hmm. when you open up that can yeah i opened that up and it was just psh, here's some citrus and i mean it smells amazing now mm -hmm. that taste we said is <laughs> we said it was they said it was fruity pebbles and coffee yeah that's about right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not, uh, it might not be a combo you're really wanting, but we have it. So two of my favorite things at breakfast is a fresh orange and just a deep black roasted cup of coffee. 
I'm very explicit to not have those two things at the same time because yeah. they are two great tastes that taste terrible together. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so I'm I, not sure why you'd put that in a beer. Uh, because that's what they had and they <laughs> said, you know what? All the good flavor combinations are taken. What if we make it a breakfast beer? The nice thing is that the citrus, the sharpness of the citrus taste from the orange, that's not cutting through. That's the it good It is thing. on the tail end. It's on the tail end. But by that point in time, the coffee's already gone by at that point in time. So, you know, uh, I haven't decided if I like it or not yet. <laughs> As we say, or I say repetitively, it's an interesting beer. Yes. Uh, mine also, I poured some and some like chunkers came out. So I don't know if that's Ooh. some malt or some hops or grapefruit seeds. Man, that something could, came out that, or leftover cereal i'm not sure that coffee is really up front though that is some strong coffee flavor yeah it's right on top of my bowl of cereal also though i'm not sure if that if it's a good coffee so <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to marvel age then <laughs> we'll come back to the beer at the end and see if it's still sticking with us i'm eyeballing mine across the table i set it down and i'm looking at it i'm like you tell me about yourself because i'm not sure <laughs> I've not had a good experience with any beer that says, oh, yeah, you know that cereal that they sell for children? Uh, this is beer now. I'm like, hold on. I actually have. There's a brewery up here that's called Great Notions, and it is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. They have some wizards that work back there, and they take those tastes that you like, and they transport them into beers, and they make them work. My favorite is their um, blueberry muffin. I swear to God, it is a sour you drink it, you're like, this is this tastes like a really good sour. And then you put the glass down, you're like, hmm, I just ate a freshly baked blueberry muffin. That is amazing. How did you do that? <laughs> and it it works. It works really well. Now they they have taken breakfast cereals and put them in IPAs, and not being an IPA fan, I still was like, this is good. Mm-hmm. I actually enjoy this, and I don't know how they do it. They're wizards. They're wizards, but I'm not sure how this one works. So Jeff. Opening credits for Marvel Age, if you please. Marvel Age Annual Number 1, 1985. Louis Simonson, script. June Brigman, pencils. Bob Wyacek, inks. The overall setup for this annual is strange because it's the Beyonder who decides that he's going to call all of the heroes in the Marvel Universe. And in the course of answering the calls, the heroes or team of heroes give some brief goof showing their powers and characterization. We've got a lot of different teams that are in this, and of course one of the teams is Power Pack. So let's talk a little bit about Power Pack, and then maybe we can go back and talk about some of the other goofiness that's in this. For the goof, we need to go all the way back to Power Pack number 17. That's when Power Pack first met Franklin Richards, and they were running away from the high snark jackal. Apparently while they were running for their lives, they landed next to a telephone booth which started ringing. Kofi, their chameleon friend, who had been captured at this point in the actual story, uh, but will hand wave away the fact that you know, he was actually captured, and yet he's showing up in this. But he advises... It's both an ad and a Secret Wars 2 tie-in, so I feel like you can hand-wave a lot out. Yeah, there's just kind of like, eh, it's all over the place here. But he advises them that the phone ringing will alert Jackal, so Jack answers it. So, uh, Jeff, if you will, please. Who is this? What do you mean, what's gonna happen next? How do I know? Franklin knows. He does not. He's just a stupid baby with nightmares. Cut it out, Energizer. You're the baby. 
Come on, let's get out of here. So after this, Jackal destroys the phone with a laser blast, which prods the power pack progeny pack to push off promptly, but not before Franklin warns them about some upcoming alien monsters that he dreamed about. Apparently, they will be dealing with some problem cases named the Beyonder and Curse, and oh, the ads over in Power Pack has more pressing things to do about right now. Okay, your loss. But this really was some information that they should have known about at the time, so bummer they didn't read this annual. <laughs> All right. What, what do you guys think about this, especially Zach, uh, not knowing anything about Power Pack, would this interest you at all to get into Power Pack? I think it would if I was reading Simonson's Thor at the same time, because he was building a lot of interesting stuff up in uh, that run at the time. So, you know, Beyonder, he's literally everywhere. I don't care. I want to see less of him, not more. But curse, I'm like, okay, okay, I, I, I would like to see some small children fight this, uh, this dark elf demon monster man. Uh, so I'd be, I'd be interested. I think these Marvel Age, you know, one shot things are a very good way to get some interest, or at least get people to think, okay, this is the high concept of this book. Mm-hmm. And even though it's not done in this format, that's still what Marvel does today. Yeah. Uh, if you look at things like uh, Marvel Comics 1000 recently or Incoming, where it was very much, here's one or two page stories telling you what your favorite characters are going to be doing next. My Marvel 1000 is a good example of that. Uh, this is maybe a little bit more heavy handed in its approach. I love the first couple pages here where they talk about X-Men and the New Mutants and the X-Men are just they're almost parodies of themselves. It's it's just kind of ridiculous. But, I mean, like you said, it's Secret Wars 2 and the Beyonder tie-in. Everything about it was ridiculous. Jeez. <laughs> All right. Shooter, Shooter did some good. Shooter did some real bad. <laughs> well, the thing in these two is that you're trying to jam in, you know, 50 years worth of backstory characterization of what a character is like to go, oh, that's the hot-headed one. Oh, that's the love interest one. Oh, that's the intelligent one. Yeah. And just, you know, it's just cramming it in your face. Because, like, this is, you know, like this one. A phone's ringing. Jackal will track us. It's like, you know how many noises there are in a city? And also, you could just leave a phone behind. You know, it's punch, punch. There you go. Go. That story done. All right, let's go ahead and move on to the next one, I think. Marvel Age Annual number two, and this is 1986. The writer was Louise Simonson, penciler John Bogdanov, inker Art Nicholas. And there's no overall plot in this annual. This is just more of a report about what was going on with the individual series in short text formats, the occasional page or two advertisement strip about a comic. But Power Pack got a nice two-pager that basically has the kids breaking the fourth wall to talk about how they got their powers, what powers they had before the big switch in issue number 25. Franklin and Katie start arguing because that's what they do. Actually, about that point in time, all the kids start to argue as they demonstrate their powers. They also talk about how they keep their powers and identities a complete secret. Well, at least from their parents. They admit that a good chunk of the hero side of the Marvel Universe knows their secret identities, like everybody. And then there's a really rough line by Jack that the Morlocks know who they are. Well, at least the ones who are left harsh we end the power pack asking the readers not to tell anyone their secret though because loose lips and all of that how about this one zach not being a power pack expert was this a little bit better i don't know if it was better or worse it was about equal for me i think i'll tell you the part that has thrown me off as someone who's only sat on the outskirts and the tie-ins of power pack is i know they all switched their powers halfway through and that 
really throws me off because I cannot gel which yeah. characters were which and which powers yeah. between different appearances because I do not know where Power Pack 25 falls into between, say, Fall of the Mutants or Mutant Massacre, which are my only touch points for what they've been <laughs> up to, those crazy kids. But I think that's a good that's a good way to say, hey, these guys are different now a little bit. Here's yeah. what you here's what you gotta do. Go for it. It was an interesting time. Actually, that's when I started collecting Power Pack was right around the Mutant Massacre time, or actually mm-hmm. it was after the Mutant Massacre, and that's just when they had their powers switched. So I kind of came in going, oh, that's their powers. Oh, these are new. Okay, what's going on with this? Yeah, I get that. Jeff, do you have anything? Yeah, no, basically it was just very much a, hi, this is our name and we do things, but you might uh, not know because we used to do other things. I do like the fact that they're also like, this is our secret identities, which is just a perpetual joke of ours where, you know, their secret identities is they're throwing their names around, you know, left, right, and center all the time. they're children. And they don't wear masks, so even better. (laughs) And their last name is their superhero team name. But, you know, it's just like, I love the fact that they're talking where they're like, hey, nobody knows our secret. Well, except for, you know, all the, uh, like, X-Men. Yeah. uh, And these people and these people and cloak and dagger and these people and these people and spider-man and blah 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 but you can hold our secret right because somebody has to be able to hold their secret for them mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's probably going to be the reader who should hold it the best and after that one of course zach can you tell us about marvel age annual number three yeah marvel age annual number three came out in 1987 it's collected into a couple of parts uh with framing stories written lettered and drawn by Fred Hembeck. The whole conceit of this one is that Fred Hembeck, who had been having a talk show in little interstitial pieces of regular issues of Marvel Age, is doing a big uh, talk show bonanza where he's interviewing the whole Marvel Universe. He keeps rotating different guests, so, you know, Thor comes out, and Brother Voodoo gets a joke made out of him, and the Power Pack comes out. Fred, much like me, gets the kids' names and powers wrong, which is very relatable to some of us, saying that since they switched their powers, uh, they probably switched their names. He doesn't know, but he is very interested in that Richards boy uh, and what he's doing, uh, where the kids say, hey, well, he's hanging out with his folks and he doesn't want to be our friend anymore and all this stuff, which leads to Fred making some very uh, dumb and bad jokes about different superhero packs that could happen instead of the powers packs like the richards pack and the summers pack and the voodoo pack and it's just it sure is something the drum pack excuse me fred hembeck's jokes either land as like groaners or they don't land at all uh that's that's his entire bit and he goes all out here katie katie the the little one does does take a snooze and uh they realize it's way past her bedtime and if you don't want to put the rest of the audience to sleep now would be a pretty good time to run our clip the kids right fred i'm roll up tape tisk tisk such language around children now the nice part is this clip is this beautiful piece by johnny boggs uh john bogdanov uh with some copy by uh, Louise Simonson. It's a splash page of the Power Pack and Franklin Richards fighting Master Mold, which isn't a thing I've ever seen, but I'm very interested. You know Master Mold. He's a sentinel that poops out other sentinels. Mm-hmm. This happened. This did happen. Yep. I would like to know more and subscribe <laughs> to this newsletter. <laughs> we, it was a pretty good issue. It's a great We've issue. Uh, covered this yes. one. And John Bogdanov wrote and drew that one, and it is something beautiful. It is issue... 
getting yeah. that. That sounds that's that's exactly what I want from the power pack. <laughs> yeah, and this is all deals into uh, Master Mold going after the twelve. Hold on, this is about the twelve. Yes. <laughs> this. Oh. I need to read this right away. I'm doing this after this interview. Then you can listen to our show on that one. <laughs> I will have to. This is this is this is a joy that I have not gotten to uh, gotten to partake in. So I'm very glad that I know about this now. It is a beautiful issue, and that is a beautiful splash page. In fact, that's that's one of those splash pages that I would love to have as a poster. That that needs mm-hmm. to be a poster. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. And this was a beautiful hook for us to get a new listener. Yes, it was. Uh, at, least, at least for one <laughs> just episode. casting it up to Zach and going, ah, you like Master Mold, do you? How about the 12? He's on the hook. I don't like the 12, but I am morbidly curious about every aspect of it. This is back when the 12 was good. This is when everyone's like, oh, this is a great concept. And no, no, it's before it went bad. It's before it went bad. (laughs) Okay, I'll take your word on that one. At this point in time, we didn't know any of it, any of the stuff that would eventually be. We just like, there is 12. There is a certain 12. I don't think anyone knew what it was eventually supposed to be. I think they threw some words on a page and they're like, okay, let's run with it. That's what makes it good. It's like, we have this idea. We're just going to throw it out there and we're going to suss it out later on. And the rest are just like, oh, oh, this sounds good. This sounds interesting. As a kid, this is great. Yeah, it's the first couple of seasons of Lost or the first season (laughs) of Heroes or the first season of... You see where I'm going with this, right? Yeah. Where the question has been posed and nobody knows and you're like, oh, and it's a water cooler topic. Mm -hmm. And then more information gets out and you're like... Oh, and then more info, and you're like, oh. But no, that's a good one. I think you will enjoy that one. Apparently, that's a good hook. That was a good advertisement, at least for somebody who's interested in the 12 and interested in Master Mold. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like that's a good hook to say, hey, y'all know the most popular thing that's going on in comic books right now? Power Pack does some of that, too. Yep. As far as advertisements go, at least the actual execution is eh, on the board a bit on it, but it's at least an introduction into Power Pack. Anything else we want to say about these things at all? They were a nice way of doing a commercial. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was it was the toy tie-in kind of thing. You know, it was just it was a nice way of just going, "Hey, here's some characters. Maybe you'd be interested in them." And you know, in like the second one where they're like, "Oh, well, X Men know our secret identity, as do Cloak and Dagger, and maybe other people that you might like. And if you like them, maybe you'll like us because we're friends with them." Yep. So, mm-hmm. all right, then let's move on to the real story that we want to talk about, and that is from Girl Comics. But before we get into that, Jeff, give us a two cents replay about where we were at from last episode. All is well in the power household after the New Mutants use their abilities to convince the power parents that they have four absolutely normal children and that there is no reason for them to have mental breakdowns anymore. Which is good, because Julie is having a little identity crisis of her own as she is getting older and doesn't know who she is supposed to be. That's right, Julie is graduating from elementary school, having a birthday, and dealing with her very first job as a babysitter. All of which is enough to confound her perceptions and have her questioning if she is a little girl or a grown-up now. Now that the Julie bought everyone ice cream at the end of the story, and that is the best kind of epilogue that anyone could ask for, two-sentence replay is over, why don't you do the opening credits, and then we can get to the show. That sounds like a plan, my friend. 
Girl Comics, issue number three, July 2010, The Job. Credits, Louis Simonson, writer. Artist, June Brigman. Inker, Rebecca Buckman. Colorist, Rhonda Pattison. Letterer, Kathleen Marie Nasio. Featuring Power Pack, Alex Power, a.k.a. Destroyer, oldest power sibling, disintegrate matter, turning it into energy which he can expel into Powerballs. Julie Power, a.k.a. Molecula, Mistress of Density, second oldest power sibling, controls her molecular density. Jack Power, a.k.a. Counterweight, second youngest power sibling, increase or decrease the gravity of objects he touches. Katie Power, a.k.a. Starstreak, youngest power sibling, flies very fast, leaving a rainbow trail behind her. And guest starring Nathan Christopher Charles, Dayspring Ascani Sun Summers, a.k.a. Baby Cable, but not the time-displaced Cable Teen Cable, who killed old Cable and is currently appearing in X-Men comics. Uh, not that one. This is this is original Baby Cable. He's a baby now, but he'll very soon have large guns and do future stuff. Cyclops. He's the baby's daddy. He leads X-Factor, and he's a mutant. Uh, Marvel Girl, which is the baby's surrogate mom, uh, but also genetically identical to her mom, because her mom was a clone of her, and it's... Look, guys, I'm going to be honest. I had to describe this to my wife the other day because she asked me to describe the Summer's Family Tree, and it took 10 minutes of consistent talking. So I don't think that'd be great content for this audience. Nah, I think we can skip it now. Let me let me tell you let me tell you about something easy and something great about having a child, though. Let me tell you about that. Is it that they uh, they provide you with unconditional love, which is great, but also they are little vampires that take your bank account and your youth from you? Well, sure. Is it the screaming and the crying all night depriving you of the blissful sleep that you need in order to survive this horror-filled world? Yeah, uh, well, well, is kind of. Is, 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 is it the fact that uh, you can't think about anything else because you're worried about them the entire time and it gives you a lot of anxiety? Well, you're all right, but I was just going to say that you've got somebody to clean your house for you, but you guys went and made it all dark. Clean your house? Really? How exactly does that work? Well, as soon as I figure it out, and I can get my nine-year-old to do it, I'll let you know. guess we should just talk about the power parents, because they've, like, successfully taught their kids that this is actually a legitimate activity. Yeah, I don't know how they do that. My wife can bribe them, maybe, but that only works, like, 50-50. And, I mean, I guess they have powers, and, you know, between that, I mean, they're doing their chores for money. I... The moment my children do understand how the economy works, I feel like I can I can use quarters to get them going. Fair point. And what are they going to do with those fat stacks? Head to the mall for Maltons and play at the arcade? Seriously, dude, how old are you? And no, while they're going to head to the mall, they're going to go there because it's their mom's birthday, and that's coming up. Hey, and hey, so- hey, wait, 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 wait. Okay, so... I'm very used to uh, people losing their clothing in X-Men comics, but Katie just disintegrated Jack's shirt. Is that is that what these kids are normally up to? Well, yeah, sure, sometimes. Okay, maybe this is a bad on Katie. That was kind of irresponsible of her. But why was Jack's shirt in the trash can anyway? I'm more confused by Katie using the Energizer power. She's got the light speed power now, right? In fact, all the kids have their original powers, and it's not switched powers like as of issue number 25. Well, yeah, but remember how I said that Wheezy wrote this in 2010? Continuity be darned. These are her kids and her original intended power sets, and she can write a retrospective any way that she wants to. Now, I know that Wheezy wrote the story about the kids switching their powers, but we hold on for one second. I have an out for this one. I've got a no prize on this. 
Go on. So uh, the reason why I'm here is because X Factor does show up, but X Factor is wearing costumes from their mini, their mid 2000s miniseries X Factor Forever, which was Louise Simonson reinventing X Factor happening after her run would have ended. So as if she never stopped writing them. So we can easily posit that this happens not in the 616, but in the X Factor Forever universe, where somewhere between, let's say, Inferno and this story, their powers just got switched back. Yeah, no, 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 no. I wave your hand at you to distract you away from your logic and knowledge on the subject and focus your attention back on Alex, who is vacuuming up a cloud jack. Roosh! Okay, so that's that's a good bit. That's 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 a good little gag there. But while all this is happening, the family's having a fight about who's been saving money to buy their mom a birthday present and, you know, not just spending it on things as children are wont to do. And the survey says, Julie. Julie is the only one that has a handle on her finances. Everyone else is waiting for their allowances to come in because they are not responsible superheroes. Ring, ring! Alex wins the foot and flying race to the phone while Jack spends his time easily escaping from the vacuum cleaner. His brother jokingly trapped him in. Ha! You cannot defeat the incredible mess, master! Jack! Shh! So we only hear Alex's side of this phone call, uh, but that's enough for us to know that he has just agreed for the whole of the powered portion of the Powers family to do some babysitting in a half hour. Hold on. There's only one tentatively professional babysitter on the team. And really, only one really responsible kid. And that is Julie. Why will it take the entire team to babysit one kid? Well, Jeff, I'm glad that you asked. And to give you an answer, I point your attention to the next scene where the pack of power is flying towards the tallest structure in New York City. That's right, X-Factor's recently acquired sentient alien celestial ship that has the unambiguous name of... Ship. Uh, okay, wait, what? Alright, you remember Power Pack helping X-Factor take down the giant ship of Apocalypse in Power Pack number 35 and X-Factor number 25? Well, it turns out that it was a sentient alien ship, and it's now their headquarters. How does that happen? Okay, so let me tell you. Let me get real close here. Um, so, Apocalypse made a deal with the Celestials, the capital C Celestials, you know, the space gods that created everything and all things in the Marvel Universe, uh, and they gave him a really good robot suit and also a spaceship, and after their big fight in the Fall of the Mutants that Power Pack did help with, uh, the spaceship, who was mostly concerned with just doing mutant things and being a cool, cool spaceship, was like, okay, you can live in my, in my body now, and then lands and, uh, becomes a giant building in Manhattan, and later will become a robot that retcons a lot of stuff in X-Men continuity, but come on, man, this is just comic books one-on-one, keep up, keep up, keep up. By Walter Simonson's bristling beard! Comics are weird. And awesome! And speaking of awesome, let me tell you about something else that is pretty cool. Secret cloaked alien snarks. No, wait. Those are not cool. They might not be cool, but they are cloaked and they are following our kids. And there's a reason they're following the power pack. And what reason is that? Revenge! But let's not worry about any of that for now. Let's just focus on the kids and their new mission. Yeah, that mission's going to be babysitting Nathan Christopher Charles Day Spring is Connie Son Summers. He's the little baby uh, that's Scott Summers' baby and Madeline Pryor's baby, but Madeline was a clone of Jean, and she got very mean uh, in Inferno, which the uh, Power Pack had recently gone through, and it's a lot. Just so much confusing drama. 
yeah, so let's just say that this this little bundle of joy, this tiny baby, he's got he's got a pedigree that's steeped in power, and he's got a future that's going to span centuries, millennia, to the end of linear time. This guy's got so much route up in him. He's one day going to become Cable, who has very big guns and very bad attitudes. And I'll tell you what, this is this is not your normal babysitting gig. I think you're actually right on this one. A quick scene shows Gene and Scott giving some final instructions to the kids and a couple of warnings. Now, these are probably going to be really, really good warnings. You know, something to do with his powers and, and the future of mankind. No, no, nothing of that stuff. It's all just about the kid having a cold and that he occasionally, just like anybody does, he projects this force field because the kid has powers as a baby. This is, you know, just pretty normal information if you ask me. Okay, fine. Let's recap. A superpowered team gets another superpowered team of kids to watch a superpowered baby who has a cold. Super. I'm gonna guess that they just are gonna hang out on the cool alien ship that has set up an enclosed outside playroom and has promised to give them anything and everything they need. Right? Guys? Hey, hey, Jeff. 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 Buddy. Jeff. Do you even read comics? No, bud! This is the Marvel comic books! New York City! Why do something safe and secure and easy and fun when you can go to Central Park, baby? That's right, the Power Pack flies to the park to have some fun with the wee baby cable. But why would they do that? I mean, sure, there are some nice scenes and it is as outside as any New Yorker can get, but I mean, the kid has a cold and he is the son of a superhero team. Why risk fate? There are so many things that could happen out there. The statistics alone say that Omega Red would be at least having a picnic out there. Why? Oh, because they're superpowered kids who live in New York City and they like to live dangerously like some of the best of us. Like Darkwing Duck. Anyway, after they land and costume off, Julie notices the baby has a snotty nose. If there's nothing else that we know about Cable is that he does not like anybody wiping his nose. So he turns on his force field. Another thing we know about Cable, and this is true, this is true, this lines up with everything that is true about Cable, he does not know who his father is, and that point's shown when he looks up and says, Dat to Jack. Katie, being the youngest, is more clued into baby talk, and she points out that he is not saying da, but there. And that is when she and the rest of the pack notice the descending snarks. So guys, I'm going to be honest, I'm, I'm very new to Power Pack, though... I'm versed in Marvel sci-fi and aliens, all this stuff, So, but I just want to be sure. These bad alien guys with the guns are the bad guys, right? Yes, you are correct, sir. Okay, look, I just... The X-Men have a lot of different physical appearances, and I've learned not to judge people just based on if they have... You know, green skin and spines all over them, because that describes several X-Men. Well, it's just not a good tights and fights without tights and fights. So they costume on and start attacking the antagonistic aliens. Skapak! Kitty shoots off a powerball while Julie pulls her out of the way. At the same time, Alex gives orders for some cloud cover, which Jack promptly vetoes. No way! Not when I can use the old jackhammer! Stupid snark, wear a helmet when next you face the great mass master. Okay, but why would Jack give advice to this snark while he's attacking him? Eh, the folly of youth, the indestructible spirit of childhood, the awesomeness of mocking an enemy while smacking it around. 
While it is totally the last one, it is not something that Alex does. And speaking of Alex, he has been floating around while holding the force-fielded baby. A baby who seems to be having a pretty good old time. Well, the baby might be having fun, but Alex is not. He just floated into something invisible, and he deduces that it is the Snark's invisible ship. Julie flies over, and the two oldest power kids trade the young kids they are carrying. And while Julie flies off with the force-fielded future fighter, Katie begins to, wait for it, disintegrate the floating invisible ship. It has to be a good idea. After all, Alex came up with it. Unfortunately, though, Julie is hit with one of the Snark's mummy ribbon projectiles. Jack, you were supposed to be shielding us. Take the babe. Before being fully incapacitated by the mummy wrap, she quickly tosses the Son of Summers to Jack, who is bouncing off the head of a Snark. At the same time, another Snark is drawing a beat on the distracted cloud-based hero. You're mine, hatchling. Quahim! Thankfully, Katie had powered up and blasted the alien antagonist, while Alex catches Julie and Jack catches Chris. The scene gets literally wrapped up with Katie wrapping up the knocked out aliens with their own mummifying weapons while Alex starts to unwrap Julie. And even though the encounter is over, Julie is worried about the baby. Well, never fear, Julie, because Jack is here! Holding the baby because he feels guilty about getting her shot and having to have Katie save him. Yeah, now that the danger is over, the protective field is down, but from everything I know about Jack, uh, that shield really should be back on. Yeah. <laughs> Bleh! Little snot face is grosser than ever. Julie, take him. He really, really needs to wipe his nose. So an hour later, they're all back on ship, explaining to Cyclops that there was no trouble at all and that they had fun. In fact, it was too much fun to take any payment. Dismissing this, Cyclops is not stingy with the cash, giving the kids a couple of 20s. And for those wondering, Power Pack left out the little detail about the alien attack during the babysitting gig. Probably the right thing to do, but they might have wanted to mention it. I mean, it might have earned them a little more danger pay. Honestly, Cyclops is just impressed that his kid came back the same age. That doesn't always happen every time he gets a babysitter. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, the last time they gave him to a babysitter, didn't he just kind of come back as a middle-aged super soldier? I mean, there was a big gap there, but yes. Yes, that did happen. Yes. Well, we end the story with the kids flying off, recapping what had happened and planning on spending the money for their mom's present. The end. Next issue. Back to Power Pack with issue number 46, with guest stars The Punisher and Dakota North. So I know you guys wanted to get me on for an X-Men issue, but seriously, next one has Punisher and Dakota North? Uh, I, couldn't, I, I couldn't be on for that one? Yeah, yeah. Somebody else called that one a long time ago, but trust me, man. It also has stand-ins for the Three Stooges, so... Okay, so that's not great. <laughs> <laughs> Written by Terry Austin. I was going to say, if it's the Three Stooges, we've seen them before in the Great Goo Game Adventure. And wait a minute, Terry Austin wrote that. Yeah, and this is part two. It's oh. not that good. <laughs> oh, Terrence. Oh, Terrence. Let's talk about the themes of this issue. First of all, I want to talk a little bit about the cover of the issue and power pack packaging. That's right. This was drawn by Joe Chen and it has nothing to do with power pack, but I think it's a pretty sweet cover. Uh, we've got three ladies on here. We got Spider Woman. We've got Storm. We've got uh, Sue Richards, the Invisible Woman, and they're standing on something. <laughs> And they got lightning in the background, and it is a pretty dynamic and cool cover. What do you guys think of this thing? Oh, it looks great. It is fabulous looking. It's a good 
good cover. That's a good solid cover. I, I like this cover. I think that's a pretty nice little cover. The comic itself, Girl Comics, it's three issues, and it was kind of designed for a lot of uh, female creators to be spotlighted and to be, uh, you know, talked about. So this, of course, was Louise Simonson. Uh, was This was her spotlight and actually started off with a nice page information on her, which I thought was pretty nice as well. Talking a little bit about some of the things that she's known for, especially X-Factor and Power Pack. There's a lot of other interesting stories in here, which I thought, Zach, you'd be interested in as well. There's a couple of interesting stories with Wolverine and Jubilee and a few other things. Oh, I don't yeah. know if you've ever seen these before. We got some Carlos Speed McNeil up in here. Mm -hmm. uh, we got Marjorie Lou and Sarah Pacelli in here. And then I really, I really love uh, Colin Coover's uh, little opening here. Uh, yeah. Where she's just doing some, they're they're really just portraits on a four by three page of different female Marvel heroes, and it's really fun. I I love Colin Coover's style, so it was a it was a real joy to see that here. I'd forgotten about these. Yeah, these are these are some nice little stories. Uh, some of them hit, some of them miss, but all in all, I like to see what this does. Just spotlighting a lot of female creators, a lot of female characters as well. Mm -hmm. But let's talk a little bit about the story itself. First of all, why would X-Factor call Power Pack? <laughs> okay, that one I'm really, I'm really struggling with because X-Factor has their own band of Moppets that live with them. I don't know. Okay, I know why they didn't say, hey, Richter, go watch this kid or hey, boom. I'm answering my <sighs> own question as I say this. As I say this out, ah, Rusty, and, Rusty and Skids could be could handle a baby. Yeah. I fully believe Rusty and Skids could deal with a small child for two hours. Yeah, yeah. And they've got the ship there, and the ship is actually the better babysitter of all of them, I would think. Ship ends up being Nathan's babysitter <laughs> for most of his life, so... <laughs> so there's that. <laughs> I always forget that part. Yeah, yeah. They say in the comic, they're like, well, how did the X-Factor even get our phone numbers? And and uh, I think Julia was like, well, maybe when they were talking to Fantastic Four, Fantastic Four gave them our number and said how great we are with Franklin. So it could just be construed that way. And they and Power Pack has interacted with X-Factor before on the X-Men. So it's like, eh, hey, why don't we give these guys a try? Eh, it's plot convenience, yeah, but secret it, identities, pshaw. Exactly. It's driven by story, <laughs> plain and simple. Yeah. Why did they do this thing? Story. Story. Uh, beyond that, though, it is a nice little uh, crossover with Wheezy's two big Marvel titles. And I, I think that that is the biggest thing that I think works. I would have liked to have seen a little more of X-Factor than just that nice little, hey, here's our kid. We're out of here. But I think it was fun that they did have Cable, baby Cable. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's your thoughts on that, Zach? I like it. It's it's fun. I I'm always... Always glad when uh, creators like Wheezy get their credit for some of the really cool stuff they were doing in the 80s. Uh, so it's awesome to see Wheezy and June on this one here. Would I like to see more X-Factor? I mean, I'd always like to see more X-Factor, but I think this is, a, this is a fun way to bring those two worlds together. And there is always... It's always fun because when, when Louis Simonson was writing X-Factor, Cable as Cable wasn't a thing. Mm -hmm. They didn't know that that was going to be the thing. Uh, so it's fun to see her coming back and saying, well, we all know who he is now. So I can have I can have Power Pack change his diapers. That's fine. Yeah. And I would love to see Power Pack in the future tell Cable, hey, you know what? When you're a baby, we changed your diapers. <laughs> hey, I'm still waiting for uh, like Julie and Alex to call Dragon Man baby. I am all for with them engaging with a like a pre-powered, pre-self-aware uh, uh, version of characters and then being like hey 
Yeah, we hung out when you were a kid. Oh, yeah, I was uh, mm-hmm. used to pull my hair. You know, whatever. I like that. Well, that that would now bring Power Pack to at least hanging out with children versions of two different X-Men between Cable and Wolverine. So that's pretty good on their part. Yeah, I and actually you mentioned from the opening, too, is that Cable right now, he's a teenager. So actually... They could have they could have changed his diaper and you know they're actually his peers now. <laughs> that's that's a story that needs to be told. Excuse me. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna email some editors real quick and see see what we can do here. The immortal youth of Power Pack. There there's there's a weird connection that's going on now because we've 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 got like you know three or four different places where they've run into this guy and right. they haven't seen him too much in between. So I would actually like in current continuity to see some more interactions back with power pack because they were friends with new mutants they were friends with franklin richards i wouldn't mind seeing a lot of that kind of crossover especially with the x-men versus uh fantastic four that's going on too because mm-hmm. if we, the original version of that miniseries had franklin bouncing around in his power pack costume so oh yeah he's he's deeply important to that series yeah I could just kind of see the uh, uh, power pack talking to old man Cable going, wow, you got so old. We're wiping your baby nose right now while teenage Cable is like sulking in the background and embarrassed about having them had changed his diaper. <laughs> I just need all the cables there at once. Either being like, well, that's not who I am. I don't remember you. Da da. No, don't tell me about changing my diaper. I don't want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, with your X-Men experience, have you run into any other interesting babysitting issues? So here's the thing about X-Men babies. They disappear pretty quick, most frequently. They get sent into the future or artificially aged up or what have you. Almost entirely. Probably the most interesting is not when there's actual babies involved, uh, but when the X-Men are forced to babysit the X-Babies, which are small children version of the X-Men that Mojo created. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's always a blast. Yeah. I go ba- I go hot and cold on the X-Babies. I remember loving They're them a lot. they very easy to do bad. Yeah. I-, I remember loving them a lot when I was a kid, and then kind of going back to some of the stories now, it's like, hmm, these get annoying real quick. <laughs> Their caricatures. Is there anything else you guys really want to dig into on this issue, or do you think we got it covered? I think so. I mean, there's not a lot to it, yeah. I think we got it covered. All right. Let's talk about some of the power thoughts, and let's talk about the refrigerator gallery. What piece of art in this book do, needs to be on our family refrigerator? And we're going to cut this down a little bit because there's not a lot to it. So we each get one funny joke one. What is your joke one? Zach. Uh, it's the panel where Jack Power is flying through one of the snarks while holding the wee baby, and uh, Alex is yelling, Hey, Elizabeth Breath, leave my brother alone! I like it. I like that one, too. I like the fact that it's uh, the look on Jack's face is kind of like, Yay, this is fun! And Cable's like, Yay, this is fun! And Everyone's having a great time yeah. on this one. Um, mm, well- I think Julie's well, not. Julie's not because she's wrapped <laughs> up and immobilized in the snack. That's true. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, Ju- Julie's 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 not having her best day ever. Uh, neither is the snark. But everybody else is having a grand old time. I like that mm-hmm. one. I like that one a lot. <laughs> no, it's good. My joke one is uh, on the same page, which I'm going to call page six because it's a seven-page mm-hmm. comic, and it's right underneath it. And I call it. I guess you could say puts on sunglasses. This case is all wrapped up. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah, this is <laughs> Yeah, that that would be Katie uh shooting the snark with the mummy gun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep, it cuz that just seems super safe. It's like the 5-year-old should be in charge of the firearm. 
Uh, right, right, right. I see no problems with this at all. I think she can't do any more damage than anybody else can. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It just cracked me up. She's aiming at the right place. She's got the right serious look on her face. No, yep. I, I, I'm with you. You know what? Let's go ahead and just finish up this page because my funny one is the next panel on this oh, page. Wow. <laughs> that is pretty impressive. We all got the same page on this, just different panels. And huh. I call this one, um, I am not a kid person. And it is Jack holding the snotty-nosed baby uh, Nathan. Nathan Christopher Dayspring Ascani Summers. I think I got it all right there. Um, you missed a Charles, but ah, Charles, dang it. Always miss Charles. Jack's face is kind of like, yeah, I am not happy right now. He is very disgruntled, and it is very funny. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go on to the good art, the best art that we think on this one. Um, And let's go ahead and do a little bit of reverse order here. Jeff, what do you have for your favorite art piece? My favorite art piece is on what I'm going to call page four, and I call it Fadeaway Jump Shot. And this is the very top panel where uh, Julie is flying Katie away and Katie's shooting out a a powerball at some snarks. And in the background, you can see Cloud Jack and Alex holding force field cable. And I just thought that looked really good. I liked everything about that. I thought it just looked really great. I mean, June in this knocked it out of the park with the art entirely for every panel. So you could literally pick any panel and be like, that's my favorite. But I just really like the way that one looked. Mm-hmm. I can see that. I can see that. I It does have some really good force perspective on there, and that is always good, too. Plus, good expressions on the faces. So, nice. Zach, what do you have? I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to throw a wild one, and I'm just going to say the Johnny Boggs page from uh, Marvel Age Annual number three, because <laughs> uh, that was real good. No. That was real good. No. Good call. Good call. I, I didn't specify that we were going to yeah. go just with this, so... Go we wild. talked about all of them. We talked about it. all of them. And that is a fantastic choice. And I do not begrudge you one bit on choosing it. That is a beautiful page. Yep. And that is the one where uh, Power Pack is fighting Master Mold. Yep. With yep. Franklin Richards. Yep. With Franklin Richards. Mm-hmm. And it, it does. That is an amazing, amazing page. Well, it's kind of funny that uh, Jeff and I chose the same pages. We are not going off on any other pages here. So I'm on the same page on page four here. And it's the bottom panel where it's Jack doing his jackhammer. He's the tiny boy attack, and he's doing his jackhammer right on the snout of the snark. Yep. And I just love it. It's that close-up detail of the snark, the pain of getting the little boy right there on the snout. That is a good, good drawing. I just, I like the miniaturized detail and the close-up detail of it. So I thought that was very, very cool. Let's talk about insults. Now, we said, you don't listen to our show, Zach, but... I do not. Jeff and I, we like to insult each other because sure. we're children. And so we talked about the rubber and glue moment. What was the best or most childish insult? Well, let me go ahead and do mine here. Uh, mine is on same page there, and it's page four, and it is stupid snark. Wear a helmet when next you face the great mass master. We got a lot of fun out of this one. I thought it was pretty good. I thought it's a pretty good insult. Not only insulting him, but hitting him and giving him advice as you're smacking him. I think that is all the classic marks of a good insult. Yep. Gotta taunt him while they're uh, being pounded down. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. why I think. That's a hero. Zach, that's a hero go-to right there. That is. Zach, Hit us, man. Insult us. That was mine. You you got mine. It's a daily double or whatever, man. You got a. That's what that's what I had going there as well. It's good. <laughs> do you have something different? I do. I'm gonna get off page four and I'm gonna go over to page six. And mm-hmm. it is a uh, bottom right hand corner. It's Jack 
holding snot-nosed kid, and he goes, Blah! Little snot face is grosser than ever, Julie. Take him! He really, really needs to wipe his nose! And I just like little snot face. It's an accurate descriptor, and it's also a great insult. I'm tired of you calling me little snot face. I really am. Well, that's what you get. (laughs) Little snot face. Snap, 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 buddy. Snap, snap, big snot face. We like to uh, try to figure out who's the best kid and the worst kid in this issue. So let's talk about who we think the worst kid in this issue is. Who gets the detention? Zach. No, Zach. Zach's not a bad guy. He's just right. oh, well, Zach. Mean, look, I, Zach's sorry. the worst. Z- I don't Zach, know him. Katie, Katie does disintegrate his shirt. That's not cool. <sighs> it was in the trash. Yeah. But yeah. But I could yeah, see that. no, it, it was it was a nice looking shirt. It was a Spider Man shirt too, if I remember. It right. was. Yeah, that's not cool. That's not cool. You don't you don't disintegrate a Spider Man shirt. Yeah, that's so not I can, cool. Yeah, I could fully accept Katie. I can as the, go on that. I can kid. completely yeah. go with that. Yep. How about you, Rick? What's your uh, detention kid then? I'm going to go with Alex. He was just kind of floating around. Okay, I can uh, see that. He and also and also, I'm with Jack. You never ever refuse cash. <laughs> <laughs> That was a bad play. Bad play. Never turned down cash. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Who's yours? I'm going to have a, a, a different uh, different one entirely. I'm going to say Jack. Really? Why? Uh, and part of that is just because, you know, he didn't save any money. None of the kids except for Julie saved any money for, you know, the parents thing. He was just like, uh, I don't want to wipe this kid's nose. But uh, also, he was supposed to provide cloud cover. And because he wasn't, because he was busy, uh, he was jackhammer happy. He was all hopped up on the jackhammers. Uh, Julie got shot with a with a wrapper with a mummy beam. Uh, so you know it's like, oh well, okay. Julie wouldn't have gotten shot most likely if he was doing his job in clouding. But the main, main, main reason why I'm going to give it to Jack as a detention kid is that he broke in continuity science of clothing. Because he turned, in the third panel, he turned into a cloud without going costume on, and then he got sucked into a vacuum. And at the bottom of that same very first page, when he comes out of the vacuum cleaner, he's small and on it, and he is in his normal street clothes. He broke in continuity science. He broke he broke comic book science, so you're putting him in detention. I'm putting him in detention. No, that's fair. That's yep. fair. Yeah, that's fair. All yep. right. All right. That's so fair. that's why he broke in comic science. I'm very upset with him. I'm curious if we all have the same star child. I think that uh, I got Julie. Three, two, one, Julie. Julie? I I had Nathan Christopher Charles Day Spring Spanish and Summer. She's a good boy. He's a very good boy. He sits there. He enjoys. He listens. He behaves. He's a good boy. He's and, the good boy. And when he's in danger, he turns on his uh, his force field. Yeah. He does everything right in this comic. Yep, there's that. There is that. That is that is a good, good uh, honorary member of Power Pack. I can see it. I can see it. <laughs> we'll say that he is in this one. We'll say we'll say he is. I I think that Jeff and I both chose Julie because Julie was the only fiscally responsible person there. Yep. Sure, sure. <laughs> she also at the end was like, We probably should have told his parents that we were attacked by aliens while we were babysitting. Yeah. Scott doesn't need that on him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's let's talk about where we're going to place this one. Mm-hmm. This is uh we've got our own list here of uh the top what is it? Uh 379 No, no, no. No. Just top of uh, 51 issues here of stories 
that deal with Power Pack. And we've got at our bottom of the list X Factor Annual number two. And we go all it's the way up. It's a bad comic. It's a bad comic. And we go all the way up to uh, Power Pack Volume 142. Yeah, you might have read X Factor Annual number two. I've read both of those stories. One's an Inferno tie in and one's an X Men comic. So that's at the bottom of our list. And I'm pretty sure that this one goes a little bit higher than that. Yes. It, it's higher than that. Yeah. We do have. Here's my thought. And I think that this was. This isn't going to be helping Zach out too much, but we've got the Great Gugam Treasure Hunt, which we have talked about a little bit earlier. Um, that's the first one with uh, Terry Austin, where he writes about two-thirds of the Three Stooges uh, kidnapping an author, yeah. and Katie and Jack have to save them. And then above that is the first... Yeah, it's the first uh, part of the Dragon Man trilogy back in the early pages of Power Pack. I'm actually thinking it might go in between there, unless you guys think it should go up a bit higher than that. Hmm. Because this, it was short, but it was a a good, tight little story. Yeah. Well, you know, because above the uh, Dragon Man stuff would be uh, Power Pack meeting the Punisher from the Strange Tale stuff, or breaking into (laughs) the Avengers mansion and seeing a couple of heroes in their uh, undergarments, but... (laughs) Yeah, Strange strange Tales 12 through 14. That's actually a pretty good Terry Austin written yeah. bit. Yeah, actually it is. <laughs> so, yeah, where do you think then, Jeff? Do you want it up there between uh, Disorderly Conduct and Man and Dragon Man? Yeah, I think that I do, actually. Put it up uh, at number 45 in between Disorderly Conduct and Man and Dragon Man. Uh, that's going to put it... That's going to be going to be a nice little place for it. Yeah. It's it's very inconsequential. It's very much out of continuity. It's a nice remembrance that uh, Louis Simonson and June Brinkman did. It's not the best mm-hmm. of the stories, but it definitely, definitely not the worst ones either. No, again, it's a tight little story. It's kind of fun. Yep. Before we get out of here, just a couple more things. One, let's talk a little bit about this beer. You still liking your beer? That's you said. That's one of your favorites, right, Zach? Yeah, that went down real dang smooth. Uh, loved that thing. Wish I had more. <laughs> on a on a scale of one to five Powerballs, I'm guessing that's a five for you. Oh, that's a five. This this one this one's an all timer. I'm glad you have an all timer because I think Jeff and I are going to go a little bit lower on the. <laughs> a little bit. I keep making faces at mine. I Y'all keep got on... very full cups still. Well, it was a tall can. It was a uh... yeah. Okay, yeah. One pint. Yeah, it's sixteen fluid ounces. Okay, so yeah, I still have a good five ounces left or my something I, I keep sipping on it and i keep on kind of making faces at it it's getting better as it warms up it's still kind of a citrusy coffee which is it's it's still not great the good news for this one is that not ipa fans uh we aren't tasting the hops that much so that's good i know the hops is really <laughs> buried <laughs> it's it is excessively buried underneath the hops, all these other tasting, flavors we're tasting fruity pebbles and coffee Yep, and uh, and some grapefruit or something. I can I can taste that fruity pebbles. Yeah, mm. it, there is the it's this weird kind of cloyingly sweet mm-hmm. over on like a third of your tongue, while the rest is being swathed in citrus and coffee notes. It's odd. Jeff, what are you gonna give this one? I'm gonna give it like a two and a half. I'm gonna give it a three. I'm gonna be a little generous on it and give it a three. I'm probably not gonna drink it again, but I have enough of a sweet tooth that I'm like, okay, I can buy this. And then the and the rest of the rest of it hits me, and I'm like, but do I really? Yeah. Well, that's the problem. I have a sweet tooth too, but if I want a sweet, I'm gonna not want this for a sweet. And if I wanted a sour, mm-hmm. I'm gonna not yeah. want this as a sour. And if I'm gonna want cereal, I'm not gonna want this as a sugary cereal. And if I want a coffee. I don't want this as a coffee. <laughs> so I guess what we're saying here is uh, take your favorite 
beer that has no flavor, pour it in your cereal and just pour some the, coffee the in the dregs, the, the milky dregs of your of your favorite cereal. And then just uh, grab that half cup of coffee that you got left, kind of swirl it in there. And then, uh, I don't know, pick anything else that you want. I don't know, uh, filter it through some bread. <laughs> we are not selling this beer. No, the can <laughs> is beautiful. Go to our website and look at a picture of this can with the uh, with the cover. It is just it is so gorgeous. Uh, it's like, but it's super sparkly. It's a beautiful can. That's what stopped me to begin with, and I saw the name, and I was like, oh, I got to use the name too, and it yeah. looks pretty. I never look at the flavors because I know if I look at the flavors, I am going to walk away from the beer. Yeah. <laughs> On the plus side with this beer, it burps nicely. It's not an excessively huge burp, but when it comes up, you go, oh, that's a nice flavor. So it uh, it has that going for it. And mm-hmm. on, on that lovely image, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and move us over to the point where I talk to my daughter about her thoughts about this issue. <laughs> so, uh, Carrie, talk to me about this comic. Good evening, Carrie. How are you? Good. Excellent! We are back with another story about Power Pack, aren't we? Yeah. This is a little different, isn't it? I give you some other reading to do now, didn't I? Yeah. Uh, what do you want to start with? Do you want to start with the Marvel Age annuals, or do you want to start with the girl comics? We can start with the Marvel Age. I mean, you know, they're kind of like advertisements, so you know, it'd be like advertisements to Power Pack, then that would lead to... Yeah. Girl comic. That is correct, and that's what exactly what those are. Those are advertisements that they did in these Marvel Age annuals. Back before we had the internet, we had these books that came out by Marvel Comics and came out monthly, and they told us everything that was going on in Marvel Comics that month. And then once a year, they would have these Marvel Age annuals, and it would be kind of like a compilation of everything going on. Hmm. And it was a nice time to do these kind of little advertisements. What did you think of those? They were cool. Is there anything that stood out when you read them? I think I like Marvel Age Annual 2. Why is that? If, I, if I'm right, that's where they talk about their powers. They, they talk about their powers and how everybody in the Marvel Universe knows them. Yeah. So what did you like about that one? I don't know. I just, something about it stood out to me and I liked it. Okay. Is it is it the fact that they were talking that all the different heroes know them? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> If you read these back in the day, would you be interested in reading more about Power Pack? Yes. What did you think about the third one where they were being interviewed by Fred Hembeck? Oh, yeah, I like that one, too. Why'd you like that one? I don't know. Um, I just like how they were being interviewed. You think it was funny? Yeah. Were the jokes funny? Mm, they were kind of lame. <laughs> okay, all right, that's fair. Let's move on to the girl comics, then. What'd you think about that story? Well, tell me a little bit about the story. What, what happened in there? Well, it was near their, um, the Power Pack's mom's birthday, and they needed to get, like, more money. X-Fact called them over to babysit uh, their baby Chris. Then snarks started arriving, and... And things got really complicated, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. Did you like the story? Yeah. Something kind of fun is that the, the all the snarks were kind of... From over here, it looks like the snarks are just jumping out at them, and it's kind of cool. Did you uh, like them babysitting that little baby? Yeah. He was kind of cute. He's got some kind of interesting powers there, doesn't he? Yeah. So do you want to see what that baby looks like when he grows older? He has a very interesting story where he actually gets taken to the future and he gets raised by uh, some people in the future. And then he comes back. And when he comes back to the past, he's much older. And that is what he looks like. Wow. He comes back and he becomes Cable. Blink, blink, blink. 
<laughs> what do you think about that? Wow, there's a very, very big difference there. Well, you look a lot different than when you were a baby. True, because I have more hair. Yeah, he's got more hair now. Well, sort of. <laughs> he's also got a lot more metal and a lot more guns, doesn't he? Yeah, he's got a lot more armor. <laughs> yeah, uh, he grows up to become Cable. He's got a very interesting story, <laughs> but we won't go into that now. <laughs> yeah. Well, is there anything else you want to say about either girl comics or the Marvel Age books? Not really. Okay. Thank you very much for your time, Carrie. I love you. Love you, too. You're right, Rick. That was much better than a beer burp. Shout out time. <laughs> All right. We want to recognize those listeners who take the time to write in or leave us a review. This is for episode number 56, The Boogeyman Must Die in the Middle of Inferno. AJ. Al Sedano and Resurrections and Adam Warlock and Thanos Podcast. Andrew Burns. Brian G. Charles Gears. Charlie Rose. Cindy Heineken. Ed 209. Hoover Jeremiah and the 4 Million Years Later Podcast, who wrote to let us know that he thought Carrie did a fantastic job. Ed. She really did. Jeff Polier. Jeremy Da. Jeremy Wiggins. Kyle Sinelli. The Long Box Crusade with Pat DJ Cristato Sampson. Mitch Gillen and the Nerd Out. Mr. Rogers Core. Nicholas Prom and the Comic Reflections Podcast. Nickopedia. Sean and the Secret Wars and Beyond Podcast. Tim Price, the podcrasher who told us, Thanks for the laughs and love, my Pac-Man and Pac-Carry. Waffles, the very good doggy in his podcast, Waffles and Mario. Wandering Ambivert. And we have a new Patreon patron. Welcome to the pack, Andrew Byrnes. Another awesome and amazing addition, Andrew. So, Zach, tell us, where can people find you and your show? If you guys are vibing with what I've got going on, uh, you can go on over to uh, ExhibitFiles.com. That's where we have all the latest and greatest in X-Men reviews, news, posts that are dumb, but we like it and is good journalism, says some people. Also, you can find the podcast Battle of the Atom there, or you can uh, just search for it on Twitter at ExhibitFiles, and that's where you can find this whole uh, this whole dealio. And it is a great show. I highly, highly recommend it. Well, thank you. Jeff and Rick Present is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience of a interesting can of beer in Portland, Oregon, and in Ohio. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter at Jeff and Rick Present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick Present, our email address, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word, at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Rick Present.wordpress.com. Also, our YouTube channel is at Jeff and Rick Present. We have a brand, folks. <laughs> can you guess what it is? If you can, you win the prize of guessing our brand. And if you would like to help support our show, we are on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com. I bet you can guess it. Jeff and Rick present, all one word. We are a proud supporter of the Hero Initiative, and we will be donating 10% of our Patreon donations to this great cause. We encourage everyone to give what they can to this worthwhile organization that helps the creators who provide us with such great content. Go to heroinitiative.org to find out more. Please rate and review us wherever you can, tell your friends about us, or share your love for us on social media. And as always, we want to thank the powerful people in our packs. My wife Cindy and our daughter Carrie. My fiance Hillary and our daughter Aurora. My wife Kaya and our little moppets running around upstairs. We, we love, love you. you. Until next time. 
costumes off. Our theme music is 80s action. Also featured in this episode is Western Streets. All music is by Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. There you go. And that's <laughs> we've done so many of those things like that where we just inadvertently burst into it, kind of like, oh, how does this is their company name? And it was like, it's Hasbro. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff and I'll be in the middle of something, and all of a sudden one of us will start singing, and the other is like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> But Zach, you might like a beer that I'm going to come up with, which is uh, Lucky Charms Lager. Hmm. Does that that pique your interest? I'm interested. You can say no, because I'm totally not going to drink it either. That sounds terrible. I feel like the marshmallow could slip in there and just help balance that out and add a little bit more richness to, you know, your standard lager profile. But I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> we'll sell the cans with a little plastic thing on top with the marshmallows that you can put in the beer Ooh. after you pour it. <laughs> Ooh. Now we've got a market. It's a market. Now of we've got a product. One. Yeah. One time you will try it and then every then you then it'll be that six pack of beer that becomes a five pack and moves around parties until it becomes a four pack and then it moves to another party and becomes a three pack. List of things to do before I die, drink that beer. Okay, done. Quaham. And yes, your ears are not fooling you, Zach. Uh, Jeff likes to use uh, Jack's voice, and he envisions him as an old man. Yeah, I don't so. he has a curmudgeonly soul. I can, I can buy that. That 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 tracks. Quaham. <laughs> anybody, anything we want to? Come on, Rick. Quaham. And while Julie flies off with the force field. Blah, blah, blah.